Welcome to the Red River Report. I'm Georgia Dulkey, Editor-in-Chief of The Projector, the newspaper that serves Red River College students. Here with me today is Tyler Searle, News Editor for The Projector. So today we're going to talk a bit about our editorial team, specifically Tyler, um, what it's like working for The Projector, and a preview of the year ahead, including some of the stories that we've published already in September. Tyler, why did you join The Projector? Um, I, I got involved with The Projector because I wanted... First of all, I felt like I could handle the extra workload. That was like, I felt like I could do it. Um, sometimes I question it now, but I actually think it uh, it's a great experience. And I wanted something to like bolster my resume. Um, and I feel like by sometimes by editing and by teaching um, other people, it, it like solidifies things in your brain. So I find I, I learn as much editing as I, as I teach, if, if that helps. So... Yeah, um, I, I think those were the main reasons. And then it's just nice to be a part of a team um, and to get to know my classmates, especially with the last year. It was like there wasn't a lot of opportunities to really um, to be part of a team or to build relationships with people. So uh, I saw the projector as like a good venue for networking with with uh, other uh, other Creekcom students. Yeah, for sure. So you've only done journalism um during a pandemic. So you may not be able to answer the other side of this question, but what is it like writing stories? And I would say specifically student stories, because that's what we cover at the projector um, during a pandemic. Yeah, that's uh, a good question. I think one of the big things that that slows people down is when you're at the campus, you you really can go into the atrium and stop people. So you, you have a more direct connection with the entire student body, right? Uh, if you're looking for a student to comment on, you know, an article that you're working on, it's a lot easier to just stop somebody in the street than seeking them out online or trying to find a, a friend of a friend or a whatever to connect with. Um, so I think that's like one of the challenges of writing during the pa- pandemic. Uh, beyond that, taking the photographs, I think, is a bit harder during a pandemic because people have different levels of comfortability uh, there's less events going on. There's less things that you can attend to take, you know, engaging photographs and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. We've seen some, uh, some good photographs, uh, this year already, like Margaret Spratt sent me some really great photographs for her article. And then, um, last year, even when we were doing that internship, um, there was some great photographs that came out of it too. So I think, um, it's, challenging but it's also it makes for like good journalism because you you find workarounds yeah for sure um no that makes sense i know i'm i'm the same way i haven't really experienced um working at a a newspaper not in the pandemic um but i i don't think it really affects the quality of journalism we just have to get a little bit more creative Mm -hmm. um actually one thing i will say to that as well is People are way more receptive to phone calls now. Um, I think it's like people are so much more comfortable and used to doing video chats and answering phone calls and communicating remotely that in some cases, it's actually easier to connect with people. Um, Like I know when I was doing stories, it was a bit easier to connect with people that were far away um, because now they're used to it, right? So it's something to consider. Yeah, that's true. It is easier to track down some sources. I know I'm always on my phone or computer, so it's definitely easy to, easier to reach me now than it was probably three years ago. 
I know there's a lot of stories already that have been happening. We've covered already um, in September. Just kind of looking ahead to to the year, what do you kind of anticipate um, the stories that we'll be covering that will be like main themes? What do you think students are, are going to care about and, and want to read about this school year? I, I think a big one, a, a storyline that's going to continue throughout the year is what's happening um, with in-person classes uh, at, at the college. So, you know, we know right now that we'll very likely be off campus until at least uh, the second semester, but things may change before that. And leading up to that, there'll be news releases and uh, information coming out from the college and all of that deserves to be covered. And, and that's what people want to hear about. Um, another big thing is the upcoming election. The student election is going to uh, certainly be something that, you know, we, we cover. I mean, there, there's Despite people being off campus, there's plenty of news that's that's taking place. Um, yeah, so I, I think there'll be lots to cover. Yeah, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there with in-person classes. Um, I, I know that's something that I'm still wondering about. Um, I'm curious about. I think everyone has a different opinion, even when it comes to like students or instructors or just whoever you talk to. Like, oh, well, do you think in-person classes are going to come back in January? Do you think we're going to stay online? Um, obviously that's the thing that affects people's mental health and education the most really at this point. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, uh, what we see unfold, especially in the next couple months, because the college really is going to have to make a call on that a lot earlier than whatever day we come back, January 4th. Um, so I guess we'll hear from them on that. Um, but in terms of this month, um, yeah, what do you see standing out in terms of our coverage this month? Um, we have some stories coming out in the next week. Um, we just had one come out uh, about Burger Week, um, about sports teams at Red River College, micro-credentials, uh, students using TikTok to pay for tuition, on-campus study spaces. Those are a couple of the big ones. Um, is there anything that stood out to you in those stories? Um, anything you really liked? Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll talk about the ones that were closest to me. Um, uh, some of my news beats cover the micro-credential courses. And uh, I think that it's a very interesting concept from the college that they're, they're starting to offer um, these smaller bite-sized courses. Uh, s- specifically during the pandemic, it really, it really helped out, right? Like they were getting people prepared to work in personal care homes. Um, they were offering micro-credential courses to uh, teach people how to administer the, the vaccine. Um, now there's courses to teach professionals about uh, truth and reconciliation and how to build uh, relationships with Indigenous people and communities, how to fairly consult with them. So I think that um, I, I find the micro-credential avenue really interesting because it's an opportunity for people who might not necessarily come back to college to have an opportunity um, to continue their education, if that makes sense. Um, and I think the things that the college is, is tackling are, are relevant and really needed. Um, and maybe they're not things that you need to spend two years getting a, a college diploma for, but they're things that you could do online in, in 25 hour sessions and, uh, and bring back to your workplace and, and really help out. So. Um, that's the one that, that I'll speak to. I, I read the LeBurger Week story. I really liked that uh, as well. That's the one that we just published. 
um, because it's something that we all kind of love as uh, as Winnipeggers. Um, but there is it's interesting to see the flip side of that, right? Like the impact that it has on the businesses who uh, who participate. Yeah, I really like the Le Burger Week story too. I think it's, like you said, it's interesting. The quote about that uh, restaurant worker who couldn't get the purple cabbage stains out of her hands really jumped out of me. It's like, wow, I just, I've never worked in a restaurant before. So I just really, um, I never considered that. I had friends who have said, oh, well, I work in a restaurant and and Burger Week isn't necessarily my favorite week of the year. Um, And now it's two weeks, which is part of the issue. But it's just... Uh, until you see the purple cabbage stains, I guess it just isn't really quite real to you. Yeah, it felt like this this glimpse into like some like an inside joke or some insider knowledge that you know people in the restaurant industry know that this is some kind of terrible time of year, and we on the outside are all celebrating the fact that it's been extended by an extra week this year, right? So yeah, I just I thought that was really interesting, and uh, it, it was a well written story, and yeah, good. Good job. Good to Iris. Yeah. Yeah. Props to Iris Dick, our very own multimedia beat reporter, who did a fantastic job on that story. So shout out to Iris. Um, another story that we are going to be publishing or maybe published by the time you listen to this podcast is about the vaccine mandates on campus. And I know you've been very closely involved with this story, Tyler. Um, so I kind of want to open it up to you about um, how you and Margaret Spratt, who wrote the story, um, kind of framed or approached it, just to start with. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, vaccine mandates are are a difficult story to cover because it's a contentious issue, right? And uh, everybody has opinions on one side or the other. Um, We at the projector, like we have a responsibility to, to cover stories that are relevant to the student body and this is certainly at the top of the list um but we also have a a responsibility to like not not platform misinformation or or put you know false statistics or anything like that out there uh so there was a lot of back and forth with this article um i think we went through about three rounds of edits just deciding what we were going to keep and what we were going to cut um the big thing was just reaching out to, to the actual student body and getting perspectives from them. So Margaret did a great job of um, going and talking to students uh, in different programs and finding out how they feel about it, um, if they were you know for it or against it or somewhere in the middle. And she didn't shy away from sharing those opinions. Um, obviously, they're there is an Instagram account that's active right now um, that's petitioning to stop the vaccine mandate. Uh, we we felt like Margaret and I felt that it was that we should reach out to them and, and find out what they have to to say about it. Um, that person chose to stay anonymous, um, which makes it really difficult to verify anything that they say. Um, so, you know, it's difficult to say for sure whether they're a student or not or what program they're in. And without those details, it, it, it just doesn't make for good journalism. It's, it's mostly speculation at that point, right? So um, I spent a lot of time uh, just going through the, the quotes that they gave us and the information that they gave us and, and trying to decide which of it was relevant to include. Um, and 
without being able to verify it, the truth is there's there's very little that you can include. Yeah, I think that was a huge challenge we potentially had anticipated going into writing the story. Obviously, we knew we had to cover the vaccine mandate. That's a been a huge thing on Red River College students' minds. But that was, I think, the the main point of most of our discussions around this story as it was developing was just how to, yeah, how to include um, all sides of the story that students care about or are interested in. Obviously, that account has thousands of followers, and there is a chunk of the Red River population that um, agrees with them or, or at least follows them, whether that uh, means they agree with them or not. But also, yeah, we, we have to um, report the truth and, and report things that we can verify, and that's uh, the tough part of journalism as well. So I think it was uh, not necessarily the easiest thing that we could have started off with in terms of you know ways to kick off the year, but... Um, it's a super important story to cover. Do you anticipate this story, or I guess it, it will develop throughout the year? How do you kind of see that um, story changing and shaping throughout the year? Is this something you think we'll be covering again? You're right in that there is obviously some, um, there is support in it among the student body. They have a petition with close to 2,500 signatures. Uh, the issue with something like that is there's no way to verify where those signatures are coming from, right? So it's like, are these really Red River students who are supporting it? Are they, you know, just people who have found the account and jumped on? And and when you're talking about making decisions like that that affect the Red River student body, it needs to come from Red River students. Um, and again, without some way to verify that it's coming from that, then, you know, it's hard to tell how much, how little or how much support there is there. Um, I don't think that we'll be covering the Instagram account too thoroughly in the future, to be honest. Um, just covering the vaccination story as it progresses, I, I definitely think we will. Um, and I hope that we can find some some good stories about vaccination to cover in the future, right? Like, you know, once we find out that whatever percentage of Manitoba is, uh, is vaccinated enough that the college feels comfortable opening back up, Um, That's certainly a story that we can cover and and one that we'll get to celebrate. And on that happy note, uh, I want to say thank you to Tyler for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate you being here and sharing your insight. My name is Georgia Dahlke, and this is the Red River Report. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.